for years, I've driven past the dive bar Whiskey and June in Atascadero, and I promised myself I would visit someday. I hate to say it, but I've still never gone in, and after meeting its owner, Daniel Green, I want to visit more than ever. Daniel came highly recommended as a good podcast guest by Jenna Congdon, the sommelier I interviewed in season one. She told me he'd worked at New York's famous 11 Madison Park restaurant and then turned around and bought a whiskey bar in Atascadero. Turns out she was right. Daniel is an incredible interview. We talked about fine dining, early morning drinkers, and the kind of excellent service that makes dreams come true. Here's Daniel Green. So I don't know a lot about you, and I am so ashamed to say I've never been to Whiskey in June. I have wanted to go there for so many years. I love, like, we used to go to the Gaslight Lounge. I love old, crusty dive bars. Okay. But somehow, I've just never walked through the doors at Whiskey in June. Well, you're always welcome. Well, thank it, it, you. The door's always open. The plan, <laughs> the plan is to be there for a long time. Good. Um, but yeah, Whiskey in June is something that is very friendly to all crowds. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you haven't been there is not a problem because it's always going to be there. And uh, yeah. it's a friendly place. And I would describe it as one of those bars you go into and you would probably say, why haven't I been here before? Right. It's a good time. A lot of options um, from, you know, inexpensive well drinks to, uh, you know, Van Winkle whiskeys and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, so lots, if I walk- lots of stuff. Yeah. To, lots of stuff. Yeah. Two pool tables, jukebox, all the good classic, oh. you know, dive bar options. But um it's, it has a variety of spirits that you definitely wouldn't find in most, uh, you know, McCarthy's or Bowls or right. that type of place. Right. Yeah. So I knew that it was distinguished in that way that it's not, I don't mean to say just a McCarthy's or Bowls, but it's not only like well drinks. It's not like right. you're walking in and just asking for, I don't I know. I mean, you can order a Negroni and the bartenders will make it for you as opposed to looking surprised and... And it'll you know, be beautiful. And I'm it'll sure. be perfectly made. And, yeah. you know, we have nice ice cubes and things of that nature. Yeah. It will be stirred. It won't be shaken. Nice. It will be measured. You yeah. Know. So we use jiggers and things like that for proper cocktails. But we uh, we also have our regular clientele that drink vodka and Diet Coke. You know? Yeah, So there's, right. there's a, a, it's a wide, wide swath of uh, people that we, mm-hmm. we service. And it's great being the location that it's at because it's right. Re- we were going to call it the off ramp when we first bought it right there, because yeah. it's right there. It's on it's on a northbound and a southbound off ramp. It's easy easy to access. Um, plenty of parking. But great cute. great old building. Super yeah. cute. Yeah, it's, old it's super and fun. Cute. Yeah. And this year we added because of um, the difficulties of last season, we added an outdoor patio. So we've got another forty spots outside now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can bring your dog and mm-hmm. park it on the patio. Have a nice cocktail. Play some jams on the jukebox and oh have gosh. a good time. Yeah, do it's super fun. Do you have people who come who have been coming there since before you bought it? Since day one, since day one and prior to us, yes. Absolutely. What is day one? Day one is September third, two thousand thirteen. So we're on we're approaching our eighth year of owning wow. this wonderful place. Yeah. So, and uh, we discovered when we bought it that it had a offsite catering license with it as well right. so we built a old 50s scotsman style trailer out mm-hmm. and totally detailed it and, and started doing weddings as, as well so we the wedding catering has been a big part of the 
the image of the bar as well. From and the beginning. From the beginning, yeah. We worked we worked on it for about a year and a half, and then we had five seasons with it, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot of fun too. Weddings, yeah. weddings in this area are such a huge draw from totally. all over the world. I mean, we've had people from China, Japan. Mm. We've had people from Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco. They come to this area. We go to places like Greengate Ranch, yeah. and we go to Santa Margarita Ranch, and you know, these people have six-figure budgets for their weddings, mm-hmm. and they want a bespoken bar, and we provide that opportunity to them. So it's really, it's fun. It's a lot of work. The weddings is a total different departure I'm sure. than what than what the day-to-day routine from the bar is, yeah. but um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I bet it's a nice income stream, too. I, I don't <clears throat> think people realize what an engine weddings are for this economy. It's huge, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot a lot to it but Mm -hmm. um from a revenue stream it can be very lucrative yeah Yeah. for sure yeah because you do get you get people that have budgets that would be a small home around here and they're spending it on their weddings but they leave the area and they go back to wherever they came from and they're happy and everybody's happy here so that it stimulates the economy and i'm thrilled about that because it's uh such a necessary um thing to keep this area the way it is mm-hmm. and and hospitality it, too yeah that's a huge part i think hospitality and everything is such a big factor because you can go to the best restaurant in the world and have poor service and never want to go back and you can go into a little dive bar and have great service and want to go there every day what you know? might you be talking about well i mean <laughs> whiskey and june so is the name that was always the name right it's always been the name yeah yeah <clears throat> whiskey and june we had several names picked out the off-ramp was one Hoyt and Orchard is another one. That's our corporate entity mm-hmm. that we chose. Those are two streets we lived on when we were in New York. Mm-hmm. And then Whiskey and June came about as a pretty simple um, uh, principle of being married in June. And then we figured Atascadero is a whiskey town. It so is. that's that's how it came about. I love it. And then we named our cats Whiskey and June, too. So <laughs> we, have, uh, we have whiskey still. June has gone Oh. elsewhere but uh yeah we have whiskey running around the neighborhood up the street so that is so cute and yeah. so and so listener daniel lives around the corner from me i live very very close but we did i didn't know that until you showed up it's a small world almond is one of our little direct routes downtown yep. when we walk from our house down the street so yeah it's nice love it. to nice to know you're so close i know i do love that actually this is a very cohesive neighborhood meaning just i don't know there's a lot of nooks and crannies with lots of different kinds of people living here you would never even know yeah it's a lo- i think this this little area that we're in is very local centric i think mm-hmm. a lot of people are still owner occupied mm-hmm. um we're seeing the university kind of spread out and a lot of rentals yeah. coming around but a lot of people who own their homes live here still so mm-hmm. i think it's nice it's community we yeah. we know a lot of our neighbors names which i think is it's a lost or dying um, belief or art. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. You can tell when somebody moves in from far away because yes. they don't introduce themselves. And yep. it's like, oh, no, no, no. Here we know each other. And hello, my name is Jamie. I, I carry my neighbor's dog food into her house when she gets it from Costco. Like oh. a little 80-year-old lady named Gina. Gina and David. Hello, Gina and David. <laughs> Hopefully you'll listen to this. <laughs> tell me about the business before you bought it. Wasn't there some lore about a microwave? So we bought what was called Terry's Bar and Grill. And when we walked in to do our walkthrough, 
there was a sign on a microwave that said grill. So the <laughs> local, uh, the local uh, uh, nickname for the bar was Terry's Bar and Microwave. And Terry owned the bar since 1991. Preceding that was a bar called the Rogue's Den. And then before that, it was a place called Milt's. Mm. So in the 50 plus years of its existence, we're the fourth owners. It is about it, 50 years old? Um, it's been a bar contiguously since 71. The license was first issued in the 40s. Okay. Um, so it was a bar for eight years, and then it became a... Uh, the building is the Air Johnson building. It was built in 1920. Um, it became the Republican National Voting Headquarters. Mm-hmm. It was a pharmacy. Uh, it was a little mercantile and then a bar in 71. Mm-hmm. So since 71, it has remained a good old neighborhood mm-hmm. watering hole. Right. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what I see from the yeah, outside. It's definitely there. a locals bar during the day. And then at night, it's a it's a bar. And we get yeah. all walks of life through there. So we've had the we've had the mayor in there at the same time that Neil Diamond's sitting at the bar. No. We, oh yeah, we've had Neil Diamond owns a. Uh, I'm not Neil Diamond. I'm sorry, Neil Young. Neil Young owns a ranch. Oh wait, even way better. Way better. Yeah. Not, I don't know why I said Neil Diamond. I get those two confused. But <laughs> Neil Young and Daryl Hannah got married at the Carlton Hotel um, four or five years ago, and they own a big ranch in Santa Margarita, and he'll troll down and sit at the bar and have a couple cocktails every now and then what great guy so we get yeah we get all walks of life in there i sat and talked to eddie vetter for two hours one day on a little pass through and you just never know who's going to walk in i mean we've had ron jeremy and those types of colorful people but uh yeah we've 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 gotten some pretty neat uh neat passers through Oh. You don't, and I'll be honest with you, you don't strike me as a bar owner. Well, you are just. I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> I, it is. Well, you just strike me as like, I don't know. I've known a lot of bar owners who are kind of like crusty and I, I don't know, just. Uh, There's barnacles. I'm embarrassing but they're, they're myself. Buried. No, don't. No, not at all. I, I try to break the mold. Um, there's a few people that have inspired me as far as the way they run things mm-hmm. uh, locally and. I'll give a shout out to like Billy Hales. I don't know if you know yeah, him from, yes. uh-huh. from Ash Management. Mm-hmm. I, I admire the way he does things and I kind of take the same approach. I certainly don't. I'm not the kind of guy that sits at my bar every day and okay. lives there. Maybe and, that's what I'm and I saying. think that is the tenuous um, example that most people have of bar owners. They own the bar and they live at the bar and they drink at the bar and they have yeah. their friends at the bar every day and that's not my way. I go there, I do my business and, mm-hmm. and I maintain it, I manage it, and I make sure it's run properly, but I also don't live there. Yeah. And that that will make somebody crusty and, and old and just a, you know, a, a wino or a drunk or whatever. And yeah. that, that's not the image that I want and I'm only 38 so I have lots of time to live my life and it's a wonderful business and I love it but I don't. Um, as the term goes, I don't shit where I eat. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. And that's important. Yeah. And that's always been that's always been my way. So look at you though. So thirty eight years old. You bought it eight years ago. You were thirty when you bought it. We were yeah. I was thirty. My wife was twenty eight when we bought the bar. What in the yeah. world? That takes a lot of um, vision too for a place like that. Well, yeah, we had just come back from New York, and I was at a th- in a three Michelin star restaurant. Say in New the York. name. Say the name. Eleven Madison Park. Yes. Shout out. Gotta love it. Um, I have questions for you. So yeah, many. We'll, but we'll go get ahead. to that. Uh, so we moved back from New York, and coming here, 
the world of restaurants was a little different than what I was used to for the last four years prior. And I didn't want to work for anybody else. I kind of dipped my toe in the water in a few places and just didn't seem like the right fit. And we had an opportunity to buy a liquor license. And our goal was to take the license from Terry's. And we were going to open something more of a cocktail lounge type place down in San Luis. Um, and that was our intention with the license. But when we made our offer and it was accepted, we went in a couple of times just to see the vibe. And we thought, wow, this is a great place that just needs a hug, basically. Just and needs a hug. So we gave it a hug. We cleaned it up. And here we are eight years later. So it was a so pretty cool. drastic change from what I was doing in New York. But um, it was we welcomed it because there's plenty of opportunities. And I, I think we fit a void that was missing in that area and and honestly for the whole i don't want to say county because that's a little mm -hmm. presumptuous but for the whole area needing you know a comfortable place you could stop in and have options and get a well-made yeah. cocktail now we have plenty of places that are doing that as well mm -hmm. but at that time eight years ago there wasn't a there wasn't a dive bar or any neighborhood bar that you could walk into and order a boulevardier and anybody right. would know what you're talking about and right that's changed now, so it's a good thing. We but that was that was our goal was to buy the place and clean it up. When before we started rolling, I we were talking a little bit about San Luis and um, and changes, um, and I've been pretty vocal about just how I feel about the changes happening here. I just miss places that were in their original building, um, you know, and I understand retrofitting and all that. I get that, but not torn down and like tarted up you know i just i really miss things like that and we were talking about the gaslight lounge right. here in town similar to your building where i mean it's original we are blessed because we're in a building that was built in 1920 that was poured in place so mm -hmm. it's a poured in place concrete building that didn't require all of the new regulations mm -hmm. for retrofitting so it never got touched and that's a blessing um, in many ways because there are so many little things that are grandfathered in that don't need to be changed yeah. and if anybody were to go in there and try to make drastic changes then you are opening up the can of worms for all kinds of different compliance and right wider doors and new bathrooms and things like that so there is a blessing in the sense that it's a building that didn't require any of that to happen which allowed us to keep that vibe that you're talking about it's an old place that's been there for a long time and has the energy of uh the history that it that it's just um gathered over the years mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the wonderful things about it you can walk in and sit down and just feel like there's been a lot of things that have happened yes. there a lot of wonderful things that have happened there. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who told me about Camozzi's in okay. Cambria. Right. That Because that's been a saloon since, God, all the way back. Um, she said that one time she was drinking at the bar, and this was like in the 70s, I think, and the doors were wide enough that a motorcycle, a guy on a motorcycle, the door was open and he drove into the bar and like peeled out a little bit right mm -hmm. in front of everybody and i just think like those are the funny old places we've, we've had harley's go from front to back through our bar before oh. since we've owned it too and oh. yeah, it's just 
People used to, uh, I've heard stories from the regulars where they can remember horses coming into the bar and oh just gosh. stuff like that. So, yeah, that kind of history, which is fun. It's funky. It's kind of, it's street. It's a little rough around the edges, but I mean, that's very uncommon for it, it to happen. But yeah, it's like, it just gives you the lore to talk about. I and love the lore. The lore builds and builds and builds. <laughs> and we, we continue to add to that. So yes, it's, it's neat in that sense. And there's, I mean, I hear stories all the time that I haven't heard before that are, you know, they're funny, they're scary, they're tragic. I'm they're, sure. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of yeah, all kinds of stuff. All kinds. Yeah, of it's stories. a it's a whole barrel if you want to get into it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So tell lots me, of history. Tell me about New York. So okay. you're working for a Danny Meyer property. At first, yeah, when I moved, so I was I started the cast house with. Um, some friends, mm-hmm. Grayson Jensen, Lorenzen, mm-hmm. um, in 2005. And then in 2008, I was kind of getting to the point where I wanted to go do something else. And I decided I was going to go to New York. Were you in the kitchen? Uh, no, I was. So Grace kind of took care of the hotel. I was in charge of the restaurant and Jensen was the chef. And mm-hmm. we, I had worked at Blue in San Luis for a few years before that. And that's where I met them. And we decided we were going to go off and do this adventure together. And it was a wonderful opportunity. And it was mm-hmm. a great restaurant for a long time. And I just needed to go see the world. And New York is where I wanted to go. And um, I met my wife. And she applied to nursing schools all over, the, all over the country. One day, she got accepted to NYU. And we, oh I got a job at EMP. And we moved to New York on a leap of faith we were dating at the time and we said either this is going to make or break our relationship and two years later we got married and four years later we moved to back to san Luis. so that's the that's how we got there okay and then when i was when i was in new york um it is emp was all about upward mobility so they despite your experience, education, whatever, everybody starts in the same position. And Mm -hmm. my intention when I was going, I was in the, uh, um, the court, um, court of master sommeliers, the CMS program. And my goal was to be a a sommelier. And after really getting enriched in that program, I got to my, um, advanced level. I decided I didn't want to be a SOM. And so I went the management track and Mm -hmm. I ended up being the, assistant general manager there for two years but i was at emp for for four years before any um, michelin stars or anything and so we Mm. went from being a two-star new york times restaurant to a four-star restaurant and from one michelin star to three michelin stars and from number 50 in the world for san pellegrino to number one in the world on san pellegrino so while you were there while i was there so i got to see a lot of the really neat things that happened there we won a multitude of james beard awards and for service and wine and food and chef and all kinds of fun stuff and i have relationships with people there that continue to this day and they're all over the all over the country and you know all over the planet too so really built um a good foundation of people in the especially hospitality and restaurant world but um, just good relationships in general and mm-hmm. good connections to have. There isn't a city I can go to in this country where I haven't rubbed elbows with somebody I worked with oh. or knew in New York because right. the the team that I was on has a lot have branched out and started to do their own things. And it's neat to be able to travel because you always have 
somewhere you can go right. or somebody you know and that that's really neat it it it's amazing how massive of a city new york is mm -hmm. and how small of a community hospitality and restaurant yep. people are have you um, you've dined at bells right down in los alamos oh yeah so uh daisy and greg were on here one time and talking about wonderful restaurant by the way so wonderful but talking about per se, which I think of as on par with, you know, I oh, see them as like sisters almost. Um, no doubt. With 11 Madison Park. But I, uh, yeah, we talked a lot about how, you know, people are launching out from these big properties. They come in. Like, did you, did you say you grew up here? I grew up in the area. Yeah. Okay. I went to Templeton High School. Okay, so see, and, and Daisy grew up in, um, you know, Los Olivos or San Inez. And so you guys live here you go there you get your chops and then you come back and yeah. it's amazing how many people go get what they need and then spread out from there so yeah i don't doubt that you could go to any city and know yeah somebody. i use the uh, boomerang uh whatever simile if you will yeah where as much as we want to leave and that's what i thought i wanted to leave and never come back and mm -hmm. my after four years of being in new york i wanted to come back so bad yeah and and it's a wonderful place to live and there's really no place like it. Mm -mm. It's going to always be here, but it's nice to be able to venture out and and know how to be in a city like New York or yeah. San Francisco or Chicago. Because yeah. I think a lot of people get intimidated by it being so massive mm -hmm. when you're from a small area like yeah. this. But when you, yeah, you can really break it down and um, feel a lot less intimidated when you've been there and thrived in a place thrived like that. i think yeah. would do it yes yeah. for sure so i both, both my wife and i were fortunate to be able to say that mm -hmm. um and i know there are horror stories and there are success stories um not everybody comes out of new york with the same passion that i had for it mm -hmm. i would go back there anytime and i love it mm -hmm. there's there's nothing about it that makes me not want to return mm -hmm. but i also love living here too so um, but being able to thrive there is, is, yeah, I mean, to be cliche, if you can make it there, you can make mm -hmm. it anywhere that, that rings true. Cause I feel like it definitely built a comfort coming back to where I knew that I could survive and thrive here as well. Well, and you had worked at an amazing restaurant. I mean, the, there are people who go and don't have that opportunity the way that you did, or like, you know, it's just, it's so much of it is just fate or, you know luck i'm i mean i know you sure, so absolutely. totally belonged in your job uh because I was certainly you're completely blessed. qualified the, the timing was unbelievable because it was it was during a time where a new chef had come in daniel whom and will cadera was the general manager and their vision was to be the best and our motto was you know make it nice that's what we that's what we said every day oh, it was the idea gosh. that you strive for perfection realizing it's unachievable but it's always in front of you and you're always working towards being better and i mean it got to the point where we would eavesdrop on conversations at about. meals to where people would uh <laughs> say oh man i wish i had a 
pack of Newports at the end of this meal and we would send we'd somebody out and go, go get a pack of cigarettes. Or they would say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could finish the meal with a Shake Shack burger? And Shake Shack was right across the street in Madison Square Park. And we would go grab a burger from Shake Shack and we put it under a cloche. And at the end of the meal, after this ridiculous 11-course meal, there would be a Shake Shack burger and fries under a cloche. And just really neat stuff. And you know, I use the, the cigarette example as one that was just kind of a weird oddity but we we made a point of making each experience to the people that were really ensconced and involved Mm -hmm. in and wanting something unique we made it so personalized for them that it just it was a step from a hospitality standpoint and from a food standpoint it was a step above what anybody else was doing at the time and there's certainly been plenty of people after you know in the last eight years that have kind of come up and adopted the same values Mm -hmm. but we got to we got to really i don't break the mold of of three-star dining because the service was impeccable the wine service was incredible the food was world-class but we just took it to the next yes took it it to the the next level yes Yes. the story i wonder if you were there i mean the only reason i really know about 11 medicine park I, i i lived in um I went to Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, okay. right around the corner from the CIA, actually, and, and Daisy was there when I was there, which oh, is nice. funny. Um, but I didn't know about the restaurant when I was back east. The reason I know about it is, um, obviously, just it's a huge, it's like a juggernaut in the food industry. However, there was a story I was told about that make it nice principle, where, you know, it's it's famous that the server's service eavesdrops on the um, customers. And one person had said something like, I always loved one of my most, um, that's, they're paving the street outside, by the way. <laughs> You're wondering, like, is it a thunderstorm or something? Um, so they were eavesdropping on this person who said, I've always wanted to, I, as a child, I loved ice skating in Central Park. It like made me, is this ringing a bell for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Tell me the rest of the story. No, go ahead. Let's hear your version first. Well, it's probably pretty apocryphal, but I, what I heard was that at the end of the meal, out come like two tickets to the ice skating rink at Central Park and a pair of... Ice skates. Ice skates. Yeah. You're, what yeah. happened? Yeah, we went up and got tickets and brought them back skates, and then we had a. You were there. Yeah, we had a cab. We had a cab ready for them, and it took them up there, and they skated, and they were they became you know I, regulars is a tough term in that world because it's not a meal that you eat on a regular basis, right, right. but they certainly return as a result of it, and it was it was a night that they will never forget. And, well, I'll never forget and it. Talk about for years. Yeah, there was. There was quite a few of those yeah. types of things. I mean, we were we were involved with many very intricately designed proposals and um, yeah, all kinds of different stories like that 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 were just about making sure that the people that were there got something that was different than anywhere else they ever ate so to be paid attention to you know to be served to be seen and there's something so beautiful about that i have nothing but good things to say about the uh eric repairs and the thomas keller Mm -hmm. groups and the per se's and the uh les bernardins and um you know go down the list they all were wonderful but i've heard a lot of people coming out of those experiences saying wow that was a once in a lifetime thing 
I don't know if I'd do it again, but mm-hmm. what our goal was, was to make sure that people wanted to come back simply because they wanted to see what we could do next. And we knew that if somebody ate more than once in one week, which happened from time to time, that they got totally different food the next time. And I don't know if you know how difficult that is in a place that does an 11 course prefix meal. Um, so yeah, knowing that somebody was coming back just three or four days later, we had to design a totally different menu for those people when they came back. And it, it just, it pushed everybody from kitchen to dining room. We know that was one of the other cool things that we use. We use it as like a home. Um, we, we likened the restaurant to a home and a lot of restaurants use the front of house, back of house, um, separation of duties. And we, we called it the kitchen and the dining room. We never separated ourselves from, the the other because they're they're i don't know if you've ever read uh, kitchen confidential Bourdain's yeah. book mm-hmm. he definitely speaks to the disdain that the service staff yes. had for the kitchen and vice versa and we really erased those borders and boundaries because we wanted connective tissue between both and that was one of the big parts of my duty um, when i was there was really making sure that the servers didn't want to kill the cooks and the cooks didn't want to kill the servers, you know? And, and we had this great bond to where we would go to a little bar called live bait at the end and you'd see servers and, or captains drinking with sous chefs. And that's just not something you see. I mean, most restaurants break out and the chefs go to one place and the, the dining room staff goes somewhere else. And that was not our way. We just had a good family environment and not everybody was, totally a hundred percent happy with each other, but mm-hmm. we would break bread together yeah. and we had family meal every day together. And, and it wasn't the type of, uh, you know, like high school cafeteria scene where you had the popular kids in one corner and the, mm-hmm. the nerds in the other corner, everybody just ate together. And it was, it was an environment that promoted the idea of being one unit, working together, doing what you had to do to make the experience unique and perfect for everybody that was coming in mm-hmm. and we would do kitchen tours and we you know the kitchen tours we had so many neat little things that we would do inside the kitchen based on uh, whether it was dietary restrictions or something we heard them talking about like the the ice skating and yeah. and things like that so it was, it was really neat because there are also a lot of places that put uh, restriction based on budget and money spent or mm-hmm. whatever it may be but we never we never thought about like oh we're gonna go spend $90 on, you know, a skate rental and tickets and mm-hmm. a cab to get these people up to the skating rink. That wasn't even in the thought process. It was just, we're going to do this for these people. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked. It, and it, and it worked. continues to work. And um, they're even more cutting edge now. I and mean, they're doing an all plant-based meal now. So, really? Yeah, they just reopened doing all plant-based. So I still stay in Wait, touch with them. that's all they serve now? Everything is plant-based now. That's a huge move. Huge move, yeah. They probably lost a lot of people, I would I, guess. They are booked for eight months. Okay, I'm yeah. wrong. I And I think a lot of people thought, like, what are they doing? They're crazy. But no, they, the way they do it is just, uh, it well, makes it special. And it's going to be superlative. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever they do, it doesn't matter if it's plant-based or not. It's going to be terrific. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, and I think it's just because the way the world is changing and there's so mm-hmm. many conscientious efforts for conservation and water or um, carbon footprint footprint and the way farming is done and the way meat is sourced and the way um, whatever chickens are butchered it it, it doesn't matter they wanted to go away from that and make sure that everything that they're using is sustainable and 
and uh, environmentally conscious. So well, they're putting I, their money where I, their mouth is. Absolutely, too. and they yeah. can back it up. So it's great. Yeah. I am reminded with that story about service. I've told this before, but uh, I was lucky enough to stay at Meadowood in Napa. Okay. And I um, just stayed at Charter Oak. So um, good, good job, Chris. Good job. Yeah, I worked with Costa a few times. Um, nice. In, and well, so, so you ate there before the fire. I actually didn't dine there. Oh, you didn't? Um, okay. I was part of, uh, I was there for the Wine Writers Symposium, Professional Wine Writers Symposium. And we, I mean, everything was, we were fed, you know, in a conference style thing. Um, I never dined at the restaurant specifically, but I guess it's gone now. I mean, it, it burned, burned down. down. In a fire. They're rebuilding a beautiful facility. Yeah. And I then now it. he has Charter Oak open, which is, if you haven't eaten there. I have not. Oh, you got to do it. I have awesome. the budget you do for that. Well, I also don't have the wingman for it. My husband is Cost, like. Costo has done such a good job with Charter Oak because it's so approachable for everybody. Yeah. M- Meadowwood was like. It's just, yes. You had to have five grand yeah. for a night to make it worth it. This is why I'm saying I'm lucky. Yeah, I mean, totally. it, was, it was a gift by being able to do that. But the service part that's so amazing is. I was standing in the lobby with some of my fellow writers and somebody said an offhand comment about her boots. She's like, I'm so embarrassed. My boots are all scuffed up. I just didn't have time to do it before I got here. Her boots showed up totally polished polished the next day. Just service paid attention. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And that, the fire back to the fire, it's such a tragedy that it happened, but I am certain that because of those little things like, the polishing of the boots they will yep. they will open back up and they will they will thrive as, as a result totally. yeah i mean you don't you don't get that experience at the french laundry the french laundry is a wonderful mm-hmm. three michelin star experience but you go in you eat your meal you pay and you leave mm-hmm. and it's world class it's mind-blowing but it's just not it's a little more rigid than the experience of saying hey my boots need to be polished and yeah someone actually does it for you paying attention yeah Yeah. paying attention is such a huge factor and i think that can go in any hospitality um avenue that you're talking about whether it be a hotel or a (laughs) a dive bar i'll go back to ours you you can do little things that just make people want to come back yeah and i think retaining customers is such an important thing to do especially this day and age where everybody is so quick to yelp or complain or bad mouth you you are i am so hyper aware of little things that people mention because generally if they say it to you first they're not going to say it to somebody else if you remedy that situation Mm -hmm. but if you hear something and go well forget you i'm not going to do anything about it then they're going to go bad mouth you and that's what does affect business Mm -hmm. and um, I think more people need to be aware of what their customers are saying. You're always going to have people that constantly gripe and complain about certain things mm-hmm. that you can't change. But if you just pay attention to the little stuff and make little changes based on that, you're going to maintain relationships for such a long time that your your business will succeed and thrive as a mm-hmm. result. I'm, I'm, reminded, I'm certain of it. Yeah, I'm reminded of... Um Led Zeppelin, don't they have the word Zoso? I can't remember where the word comes from, but it's the it it represents the relationship between the audience and the performer. Right. And so when you're talking about, you know, going to Thomas Keller's place and you pay for what you get and it's it's done and then you leave, again, nothing wrong with that at all. That's what most restaurants are. But when you get that relationship between the audience and the performer where there's, you know, integration there, yeah. that is where magic happens. I feel like when a meal feels transactional that's great 
I will pay for it and I probably won't go back to that place, but we have our select few places that we return to. We ate at Ember last night and we continue Ember. to go back to Ember because they're so good at making you feel like yeah. they want you there. Oh, that food and, is also really and, and good. And the food is, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't hurt that it's the food's amazing. Good. But the service is great and they, is, yeah. they remember you and they, you know, say hi when you walk in and it's a great experience. So locally, you know, places like that mm-hmm. succeed the food is good, like you said, obviously, mm-hmm. but the experience is worth it. It doesn't feel transactional. It's mm-hmm. not a cheap meal, but it's worth it. The value mm-hmm. is such a huge part for me. It's such a huge part of the experience. Yeah. I don't care if it's $2 or $2,000. If there's good value to it, then you're going to want to go back. Yeah. Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed supporter. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store and their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So, so let me ask you this then, because I, I, I'm thinking about Jocko's Steakhouse here. The service there, it is it like in terms of getting what you need, the service is generally pretty good. But the people serving are often not all that friendly, and I love that about Jocko's. There are always going to be places, I think, that have the... It's the shtick. They have the gruff little barnacles on the outside, and you kind of want... You want to get poked a little bit when you go there. So I think Jocko's certainly fits that, um, yeah, that niche. And I agree with you. There's there's a certain expectation for harshness when you go in that you just kind of love. love. You want your baked potatoes slammed down on the table. And the hostess who screams the Mm -hmm, names right mm -hmm. into my right ear. Hurts so good. Love Jocko's. So can't, do I. Can't go wrong with Jocko's. And yeah. it's worth the wait, you know. Yeah, it is. And there's another institution that's been doing it. Even though it's new ownership, it's the, they've been doing it the same way for mm-hmm. a long time. And, and it works. So. I wonder if those big restaurants like like Meyer's Restaurants, like... Gramercy Tavern. All, yeah, all of those guys. And I mean here, too. Healdsburg, Yountville, all that. Um, I wonder if that's thing perhaps of the past you know if it's uh i wonder if restaurants i'll say it like this i wonder if restaurants are going to remain with these like shining stars like that the big grand experience um it's funny you mentioned that because i've thought about it a lot lately mm -hmm. just and i'm i brought up bourdain's book because i'm reading back through it again Mm -hmm. we just saw roadrunner yeah Yeah, we just saw it and it kind of re-inspired me to read it and so much of the content is dated yes in that sense of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. where there used to be the big grandiose 800 cover a night restaurants Mm -hmm. that everybody went to because in the 80s that's in 90s that's just what people did nowadays i feel like there's so much more of a discerning crowd in every way because before you read about grammy street tavern in the paper 
And that's the knowledge you have about it. You can't go on the internet in 1991 and research everything about it and what what you're going to have for dinner before you Mm -hmm. go. You read about it in the paper and then you go three weeks later and you just Mm -hmm. experience it. Nowadays, we get so much information about everything on our fingertips, on our phones, Mm -hmm. you know, on our computers that there's so much more of a discerning crowd. I think that that's why we're seeing this like, I don't know, I, I call it the uh, food truck boom where, yeah. you know, there's there's just little hole in the walls opening mm-hmm. up and and food trucks that people seek out and things like that to where, yeah, the massive, grandiose, clean, polished, huge restaurant yeah. is becoming such a thing of the past that they're they are starting to die out and you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, there's a cost factor to it and four grand to buy a little trailer and put 10 grand into it and fix it up and you're selling $10 uh, smash burgers is a way cheaper recipe than $350,000 to open a kitchen Mm. to serve the same food. So I totally agree with the the shift in the paradigm of the big shiny, I think it is. I mean, it's happening. I I mean, look at all the vacancies downtown San Luis. There's Mm. so many places that were that are now going away and it's as a result of cost yeah i mean it's impossible to afford to break even for a lot of places and there's a lot of restaurants that aren't breaking even that are still open we have our institutions here but we're seeing more carcasses than we are seeing Mm. um you know Mm -hmm. healthy bodies Mm. in my opinion i don't know if you agree but i well i don't i would have to think about it i mean Institute, like, okay, so when I think of an institution in Slow County, I'm thinking about McPhee's and I'm thinking about the Madonna Inn and Giuseppe's. Jocko's and Giuseppe. Jocko's. Yeah, like at another level, Giuseppe's. Novo is becoming institutional. It is, yeah. Um, they've been able to succeed and make it through. Right. Um, but I, 2020 was difficult for a lot of people and the places that have closed that aren't going to reopen. Yeah. I think a big part of it is because of... of COVID in 2020, but it, it forced it, it for sure. forced it. If it forced, I think it killed off a lot of dying animals. If, mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. I will be able to, I think that's what I think. Yeah. 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 You think about the things that are kind of the new wave of very celebrated and successful restaurants. Um, Ember being one of them, Bell's, Le Petit Canai, um, Spoon Trade, those guys. I mean, those are all, you know, I, I think it says something about where we live that they're all very casual places. They're like neighborhood places. So it has something to do with living here, but I I always wonder, we live in such a bubble sometimes. Is that happening everywhere all across the country? I don't know. The fast casual thing too is a movement. Certainly. Um, I I think especially uh, California is so much more laid back too. We have this appreciation for okay, I'm going to go eat dinner in shorts and a Tommy Bahama shirt and that's going to be okay. Whereas you wouldn't roll into a nice restaurant in Mm -hmm. Chicago, Dallas, in Dallas, Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. I mean, maybe San Francisco, but New York, you Mm -hmm. wouldn't roll in with shorts and a t-shirt on. People would turn you away at the door. But in this area, in this state, for the most part, I feel like the casual, comfortable dining with good food and good services is what, it's what people want and we're starting to get what we want and that's nice some of the older stodgy institutions are 
not supporting that and not providing that so mm-hmm. people aren't going there yeah and and now you have to be like i said before with technology you have to be on top of you know restaurant reservations on your mm-hmm. open table or on your phone and if you have to call and make a reservation people are just unwilling to do that nowadays and that that's a big shift i think mm-hmm. it, it you know it used to be you call and wait on hold for 15 minutes and then make your reservation if you wait two minutes on the phone nowadays you're probably like okay we're gonna go somewhere else and if you can't if you can't touch a screen and make your reservation then you probably won't dine out there Hmm. and there are places like the range the range is another little institution in my mind they've done such a good job i like their principle of being cash only and no reservations. Yeah. You walk in and you, well, they have recently started taking reservations, but. Um, Only because yeah. of COVID though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you walk in and you have that experience and it's casual. It's comfortable. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you look like. And mm-hmm. as long as your uh, cash folds, you're good to go. So. They were on last season, um, Jeff and Lindsay and Jade actually, Jackson were on last season. And, you know, it would be so easy to look at the you know the whole cash only no reservations um no website no um social media thing is a shtick and it's not i mean those guys that is their that is their ethos i mean they don't yep that really is where they are and i think it's just so authentic to them you know there's something i love about that i wanted to ask you about leaving new york and coming back here and opening a dive bar the fact that it was so different for I can't think of a much more whiplash kind of a move than working at EMP and going to Terry's yeah, bar no, and it, microwave. It um, was. That's a good way of describing it. How did that feel? Was it scary? No, it was intimidating in the sense of the change and I I certainly had some preconceived notions about what I thought the area needed and then I was more educated by the fact that I know that I needed to adapt to what it was more so than it needed to adapt Mm -hmm. to what I was bringing to it. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned before, our goal initially was to take that license and remove it from that location. But it took about six weeks for us to really say, you know what, we're going to just make this place better and keep it what it is. And Mm -hmm. I fell in love with it. It, you can apply similar principles and I certainly did. Um, I didn't have to wear a tie every day and I didn't have to wear a suit every day. I mean, you could, I didn't have to shave every day. Um, I mean, I certainly could have done all those things. It would have been odd, but, um, (laughs) the, the shock wore off quickly when I realized it was my own Mm -hmm. and that, you know, passion for something that you own is totally different than passion for somebody else's project. You could certainly be passionate about working for somebody else, but nothing is like owning your own business. Mm -hmm. And, when you do it right, you are in love with it and you're married to it. And it's like a relationship with another person. You, you get out what you put into it. And mm-hmm. when you pour love and affection and, and blood and sweat and tears. And, and expertise. If you, well, yeah. I mean, there's, that, that was what I was able to bring in was a good base, a knowledge base for whatever it may be, ingredients or recipes or whatever that that's the easy part but loving it was the I had to fall in love with it and I did mm-hmm. um, I was not in love with it at first because I thought I was going to just vacate this place that I didn't realize so many people relied on yeah. and yeah. Um, that was selfish of me at first but like I said about six weeks into it we <laughs> said 
this this is what we need to be doing. This is what I need to be doing. So mm, I love it. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, it was, it's it's been a great it's been a great marriage for eight years mm. now, and the plan is to have it for another fifteen years or so, and we'll pay it forward and pass it on to somebody when we're done with it. So so cool. Yeah. I gotta get in there. Yeah, I'm you just gotta come in. It, it's not let's going go anywhere. Hey, let's go. <laughs> it's open. We're open every day. When do you guys open? We open at 8 a.m. every day and we close <gasps> at 2 a.m. every day. Yeah. And before COVID, it was, it the doors never closed for since 1971. Like it never, not Christmas, no New Year's. Every day. Every single day. And then we were forced to close on March 16th last year yeah. for couple months the fateful day March. yeah we all know that day so we took the opportunity and did uh we remodeled the back bar and did some mm-hmm. up upgrades to the uh refrigeration and things that needed to be done mm-hmm. that we just simply didn't have time to do when we yeah. were open um so it was it's a good chance to clean things up a little bit and rebuild and and i tried to make the use of the downtime in a way that would afford us the opportunity to keep going when we reopen. But you're opening at 8 a.m. I, I don't want to ask sad, sad questions, but are there Go ahead. people there <laughs> at 8 a.m.? I'm not going to exaggerate. There are generally people waiting for me. <clears throat> and I have my, you know, I have my core, core group. Yeah. You know, some of them are just daily drinkers, and mm-hmm. there's a more negative term I that people so use. I shouldn't be so judgy. I just well, am surprised. And, I'm and surprised. No, and it, it's, I, I'm not trying to normalize it because uh-huh. it is certainly not a normal behavior, but it is just one of those things that there are people that medicate themselves with alcohol yeah. as opposed to other things, and mm-hmm. they're the ones that come in on a daily basis. But, you know, on weekends you get your brunch crowd that comes through and they have bloody marys and they love the fact that it's open at eight or they're going to brunch so they stop in and have a mimosa or bloody mary or a cocktail before and so i i think that the weekends feel a little bit normal from societal standpoint but the day-to-day 8 amers are just people that use alcohol on a daily basis and Mm -hmm. i provide it to them in a safe environment yep yep i would rather have them in there drinking than knowing that they're going to a liquor store and then gotten a pint of vodka in their truck on their way to work you know truth, so true do you guys sell coffee too <clears throat> yeah do you have coffee there oh, yeah. i'm just gonna imagine that that's what they're in yeah there. they're having they're having their coffee that's uh-huh, what we call it uh-huh mm-hmm. there you go coffee. we call it church on sunday so oh, people boy. come in to see they call me pastor asshole so yeah. <laughs> my my term of endearment or their term of endearment for me Oh, I'm thinking of a few people who could use that name actually. Oh well, that yeah. is. <laughs> I've earned the title, so what can I say? Daniel, I love meeting you. I love knowing you're my neighbor too. I I ask everybody on here uh, if it was the last day of your life and you wanted to celebrate. Like it's not a sad thing; it's a happy uh, experience. You want to celebrate. What food are you going to eat? And what are you going to drink? And you know, who's going to be there? Th- my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um. Would I, this time of year I love because the tomatoes are just so beautiful and wonderful. And the, one of the things I love about this area is that we have access to produce that people in the rest of the world pay for. Yeah. I had a friend that went to Japan and saw nine Santa Maria strawberries for sale at a at a market for like nine hundred dollars. So oh um, the fact that things stretch and reach so far, uh, I would probably go get a couple of really nice tomatoes i get a fresh mm-hmm. baguette mm-hmm. nice hunk of burrata and some prosciutto and and i would 
pick out a nice bottle of wine and probably hike up to the top of Madonna and sit there with my wife and that's the way I would go out. That Just sounds simple, very good. simple, simple. I I've really appreciated the simplicity of mm, food in the sense of good ingredients done well as long as it's the right environment. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not the type I love those three star experiences. That's not my ideal mm -hmm. situation. Um, I like yeah, you know, I like simple food, good ingredients. Mm -hmm. If it cool. would be a wine, it would probably be like a Latash to from our uh, from the year we were married, like a 2012 Latash. I can't remember. Is that the is Domaine Romani Conti? Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. that would be my that would be my wine probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we have or to a good save ball up of, for that. Good ball of champagne. I yeah. know you'd have to save up, but if it's my last meal, I'm going out. Why not? I'm going out blazing with I that for sure. Daniel, you're so such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking you the time. You too. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Consumed. It means a lot to see how the podcast has grown in 100 episodes. And it's all thanks to you listeners. The podcast is edited by me this time around because Chris Lambert is amazing and busy with other very important stuff, but he's still forever part of the Consumed family. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and share with all your buddies. Okay, until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Jamie Lewis.